Welcome to Sexplicit, a podcast which offers free, quality and up-to-date sexuality education. In this podcast series, we will be talking about sex and sexuality explicitly. No topic is too taboo and no question is inappropriate. This is a safe and educational space to explore your deepest curiosities. My name is Anissa Varaste. I'm a clinical sexologist and this is Sexplicit. Welcome to another episode of Sexplicit. Today we're going to talk about narcissism in romantic and sexual relationships. Narcissism is a term that is used by many people to diagnose others who are in any way self-centered or even arrogant. But narcissism is more specific than just being selfish. It's extreme self-involvement to the degree that it makes a person ignore the needs of other people, of those around them. Most of us may show occasional narcissistic behaviors, but true narcissists frequently disregard others or their feelings. And so it's important to note that narcissism is a trait, but it can also be part of a larger personality disorder. Not every narcissist has narcissistic personality disorder because narcissism is a spectrum. People who are at the highest end of the spectrum are those who are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. But others, still with narcissistic traits, may fall on the lower end of the narcissistic spectrum. So within a sexual or romantic context, A narcissist is somebody who focuses on sex in the relationship and how they can get it. So they're really focused on being owed sex and getting the sex that they think they deserve, whether or not they are in a relationship. So sexual narcissism is usually diagnosed and assessed by a psychologist based on a scale which has four different components. First of all, sexual entitlement. I think a lot of people think entitlement and narcissism are the same. They are very similar, but not exactly the same. Narcissism is an umbrella term. It's a broader concept, and entitlement is one component of it. So in the context of a sexual or romantic relationship, it could be that the person thinks they are owed sex because they paid for their dinner or they gave the other person a ride home. The other component is lack of empathy. And this is a key feature in any sort of narcissism. When someone is high on a narcissism measure, we usually see that they have high self-interest and low regard for other people. So they care just about themselves. Who cares about my partner, my friend, anybody else really? So people with sexual narcissism or in the context of romantic relationships don't have any empathy for their sexual partner. They don't care if their partner is in pain or having a satisfying sexual or romantic experience. They may think, well, I've had an orgasm. Who cares about you? Also, people high on sexual narcissism have an inflated sense of their own skills or expertise. So they might think that they are super great in bed, but in fact, not so much. So there is also this inflated sense of what they perceive their skill to be. 
And the final component is exploitation. How much they're going to manipulate others to get the sex they feel they deserve or are owed. The other thing that I would like to raise is the impact of culture on encouraging narcissistic traits. So if someone is raised in a culture where, for example, they are taught that their partner owes them sex, or is the partner's duty to provide sex to them regardless of their pleasure, then it's more likely that this person will display behaviors that are narcissistic or hold beliefs that align with narcissistic traits and characteristics. So it's not always that this person is a monster and that's why they do what they do, but that there are contextual factors and influences involved as well. So if you're told effectively from the time when you were born that you're in control, that you're in charge, and your partner should agree to every demand that you have, that's going to be really difficult to be in a relationship and realize I'm not actually with a blow-up doll. I'm with a person who has their own body, their own desires and wants and boundaries. That could be very hard to reconcile. So this is one way that in the current sociopolitical context that we live in, toxic masculinity and patriarchy hurt everyone. Not just women and non-men, but everybody, men as well. So definitely the social norms and expectations that we have about gender and relationships absolutely play into this. Another important point is sexual narcissism is positively related to previous sexual aggression or coercive sexual behavior, like trying to make people have sex with you or guilt them into it. And also sexual narcissism predicts future sexual aggression. So that's one of the scary sides of narcissism. If you are in a relationship with somebody who is high on this spectrum, you might be at risk of experiencing sexual aggression from your partner. So by now, you may be thinking of someone with these traits. Many people think that their ex was a narcissist. And if you're having these thoughts, it's very common. But how can you identify narcissistic traits in other people? There are some red flags and some signs and some patterns in relationships which I will discuss to identify if you are in a relationship with someone with narcissistic traits. The first and foremost is lack of empathy. Lack of empathy is absolutely core to narcissism. So if you notice that your partner does not care if you have had a bad day, and that's all the time, then this could be a red flag. But it's not just once in a while that... You know, sometimes we feel like, well, I've had a bad day too and I can't be emotionally available for my partner. That's not what we mean. If it's all the time and there is a pattern that they don't care about the needs of the partner, then that is a red flag. Or that they're very focused on them, themselves and on their own needs. They might also be super focused on sex in the relationship so they're not caring about emotional intimacy or disclosing any sort of vulnerability or dreams or desires, and they just want the sex. They might also use some manipulative tools to try to get that sex. For example, they might use gaslighting, so making you think something is happening when it isn't, or something isn't happening where it is, basically making you doubt yourself and your reality. 
Regardless of whether your partner might be high on the spectrum of narcissism or not, everyone gets to set their own boundaries in their relationship and then your partner gets to decide whether or not those boundaries are workable for them. So whatever those boundaries are, which could be not having a particular type of sex or boundaries around meeting parents, whatever they are in a relationship, you get to set your own boundaries and those boundaries should be respected. So if you have a partner who's always blowing past your boundaries and then trying to make you think that it's your fault somehow and maybe add a little gaslighting, that's definitely a red flag. If someone has had a childhood that they learned their boundaries are not important, they are generally more vulnerable in identifying signs of gaslighting and manipulation. So if that's the case for you and you have doubts about your boundaries, seek support from a therapist. Of course, boundaries are not set in the stone. They shift and change throughout our life. But the point is that if a partner pushes your boundaries consistently or is disrespectful of your boundaries or makes you feel bad about having them, this is a problem. People who show signs of narcissism can often be very charming and charismatic. They often don't show negative behavior right away, especially in relationships. And they often like to surround themselves with people who feed into their ego. It's not always easy to spot a narcissist and then leave a toxic relationship with them. I will share with you a couple of scenarios how a relationship with a narcissist can look like and the consequences of staying with them long term and what to do when you find yourself in a situation like this. Usually a relationship with a narcissist starts like this. You're very drawn to them. Maybe they very much attract you physically or their personality is compelling. You admire them and in a lot of areas feel sympathy for them. Maybe there is something in their past which really interests or touches you. You have no desire to break up and in fact the feelings are intense and you want this to last forever. For their part they seem to be keen on you. That's what they've said on a number of occasions. They say that they want this for the long term, maybe even forever. And yet there's a problem. A problem so grave and so hidden. A problem so damaging and so hard to grasp that you can only slowly bear to face up to it. You start to realize that the partner whom you love and they say that they love you is having a detrimental effect on your mental or physical well-being. So what can the narcissist be doing? It's a spectrum. At one end, they may be physically harming you, but the spectrum is long and there are all sorts of sinister ways and damaging ways in which, without ever raising a hand or a finger, one person can badly damage the other. They may be having affairs one after another without admitting to it or spending too much money and making you feel that you are just being unreasonable. Or they may be constantly absent, absent emotionally. They may show no reliable warmth towards you. 
They may never initiate a touch or show any sort of interest in intimacy. And here I don't mean just sex or physical intimacy, but really sharing vulnerability, sharing of dreams and fears and emotions. They may never give you so much as a hug. They're present, but they're not really there. Probably as soon as these problems first arose, you started to complain, but you did so softly or sarcastically and not so head on. After all, you love them. It can take a long time, sometimes years, before you find your voice and come to a place of being able to confront them and object. What then happens when you at last ask the narcissist to face up to the harm you feel that they're doing to you? There are two main responses. First, they confess it. Fed up with the situation, at last you tell them you are fed up with the violence, with the continuous affairs, lack of intimacy and emotional absence, and you try to establish some boundaries. You tell them that if they don't change their behavior, it's a deal breaker and you will leave them. Even though, of course, it's the last thing you want because you love them. You may even be shaking inside or even physically or flushed after you've spoken to them. You may feel guilty for making their life hard. You may feel broken. You even may feel you're going crazy. After all, it's crazy to threaten to leave someone you love who says they love you as well. You had probably expected all sorts of dark responses based on your past experience with them. But something that on the surface is rather lovely now happens. Maybe even for the first time. They admit it. They confess. They say, my goodness, you're right. I hadn't really realized until now, until you made me finally open my eyes. I just realized the harm that I have caused you. Baby, I hear you. Baby, I'm so sorry. Now the person promises that they will now change. They just need a bit of time and they need your understanding. They even suggest getting themselves a therapist maybe. Once every couple of months. They say they will get on top of their their issues. Their acknowledgement of the harm they have caused and their willingness to change is deeply moving. And up until this point, This is what you want to see in a responsible and mature adult. But here's what a narcissist will do next. Despite their promises, the narcissist won't change. They may make short-term adjustments, short enough to ensure you won't leave them, but not enough to correct the problem. And in the gap between their promises to chain and your realization that they haven't got the willingness to do so, children may have been born. They wanted kids to keep you around and maybe you wanted kids as a vision of a happy future that was being promised. Commitments pile up and you feel there are fewer options available in the world for you. You may not be young anymore. The second possibility when you confront a narcissist, they deny it. However hideous all the above sounds, there is an even more difficult scenario with narcissists. This is with the same dynamics, but with one extra twist at the end. 
When you finally confront them with the problem, they don't confess, they deny it. They tell you you're dreaming, that it's all in your head, you're imagining it. The problem lies with you. At the same time, they get very offended at the suggestion that you're making. They may say, you're so cynical about me, don't you trust me? How rude are you about me? Why don't you have some more faith in me, in us? You're just crazy. You are as crazy as you say I am. The problem is with you, not me. And they push back. This is mind-filled territory. Relationships and our interactions with our partners are generally not documented and recorded, so it's very hard for you to back up your claims or even be sure of your own judgment. So you may think, is my loved one spending too much money or am I just nagging? Are they constantly flirting with others or am I just jealous? Are they constantly rejecting any intimacy or do we have just different needs? Am I just insecure? The partner whom you love and don't really want to leave and who says that they love you too adds to the difficulty by continuously telling you you are crazy and it's just in your head and that you're too demanding and there is something wrong with you. Probably you're an open-minded, nice, intelligent person And open-minded, nice, intelligent people tend to give others the benefit of the doubt. After all, they know they're not perfect and they're aware of the things that they do wrong. They don't feel brilliant in every way. Therefore, maybe it's possible that here too you may be seeing things that aren't there. Why insist, especially when you love your partner and want to be with them? Here's a nice person telling you you're a bit mad and imagining things. It's a disheartening message, yes, but if disregarding your emotional needs is the price you need to pay for keeping a relationship going, well, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth thinking of yourself as a bit crazy or too emotional. At least you will still have a partner. So more time passes. And in that time, there are probably more children, more entanglements, and there is also highly likely to be a destruction of your sense of reality. You will probably start to feel as mad as you are subtly being told. You might have a breakdown, which isn't helpful when you want to leave someone. All that said, in both of the above cases, eventually you will have to leave. Your long-term mental health depends on this. But it isn't a picnic having to leave someone you love, who says they love you as well, and who is falsely promising to change or denying the harm that they're causing you. You will feel extremely alone with this decision. You will struggle with either feeling nasty for wanting to leave someone who is promising again and again to change, Or that you are mad for wanting to leave someone who says you are crazy for doubting their love. You feel you will have to destroy a relationship that might have children in it, on the basis on nothing but an internal state that your partner is doing something seriously damaging to your well-being, despite telling you they love you. 
In order to leave a dynamic like this, you need to reframe what you are feeling and tell yourself something like this. I am in love with someone who has some very damaging behaviors. They have not changed and realistically will not change and may even be using me as a reason not to change or are in denial and are abusing my self-doubt and vulnerabilities in order not to look more honestly into themselves. And there may be something in your past, maybe a history of having put up with abusive caregivers, or you've never had the opportunity to learn about setting healthy boundaries, which can make you more vulnerable to this type of dynamics. Mountain climbers know that certain peaks cannot be climbed alone. You need a climbing body. In this context, it could be a therapist or a trusting friend who is willing to make the time to reassure you of your sanity and can keep you grounded, who will be there for you in the moments when you feel you're making the most difficult decision of your life. Deciding whether to stay or leave a relationship can be one of the trickiest and most consequential decisions we can face in our life. So if you need a therapist to consult with, me and my team at Relate Sexology are more than happy to support you through this process. Okay, this is the end of this episode. I hope you found the information helpful. If you have any questions about narcissism or about any other topics, feel free to send me a message on relatesexology.com.